You're listening to 92.7 FM, WZBD, Burn, Decatur, Bluffton, Indiana. Well, good evening, wrestling fans, and welcome to the Hager Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted once again by the Double Eagle here at the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Rex along with Dane Filling. And, uh, Dane, uh, a lot of wrestling on the radio this weekend. Uh, we saw some pretty good matches uh, both Friday night and Saturday during the day. Some a little more competitive, I think, on Saturday and the NE8, but uh, all in all, a pretty good weekend of wrestling. Absolutely, and I'm so glad that the ACAC has gone back to the Friday night conference tournament it works great for radio. We were able to, to be there at Woodland. Um, how did you rate the hospitality rooms at Woodland compared to New Haven? Uh, New Haven was heads and shoulders above. Not not that I want to I don't want to insult now, Woodland. Woodland had good why pizza. Do you, why do you disrespect Domino's Pizza that way? Because they had so, Mancino subs. Oh, did they? You missed the subs. Well, I had my own lunch packed. Yeah. They kind of put you guys in a cage there. I thought that was interesting. That was interesting. I mean, people are out of our way. Nobody's in, in, in our line of sight. But uh, all in all, I, I thought New Haven ran a real good tournament. Um, the Woodland tournament uh, seemed to be running, just clicking along. You and I were good to go. And the next thing, somebody dropped anchor, and it just slowed way down. The next thing I know, it was 11 o'clock. Well, you know, with seven teams and with a couple of them not having full lineups, you run into the, you know, the 45-minute rule. It would have done them no good to have another mat out. Yeah. And we found that out pretty soon. Uh, same thing at the NE8. They had four mats out, but that was just enough. Yeah. There were a couple times where they, where they cautioned people and said, slow down. Now, now Woodland ended up dropping down to two mats, and then they ran that for a while. And then they, I think they got back in sync, and then they were able to run three again. But that's better than stopping everybody for 15 minutes. So just running two mats probably was the best. I thought Woodland ran a tournament pretty well. Yeah, we'll talk to Coach Myers of Jay County. Later on in the show, I'm not sure if they, you know, with the seven-member schools, if anybody's willing to move the tournament to 5.30. Um, you know, it was pretty late. I know it's a long drive. Jay County would have the longest drive back home. Um, obviously, for me, we talked about my newspaper deadline. <laughs> the results, it was a great article, and it just stopped at 160 pounds. And then that was, it was like nothing else happened that night, but it was what it was. I think we got done at maybe 11.10, 11.15. And yeah, I think by the time I was packed up, I was home by quarter to 12, I think. And then, uh, and then after a tournament like that, you're kind of jacked up a little bit. And I laid there and stared at the ceiling until about 2 and knew I had to be up in the morning to, to be up in, uh, at New Haven. But, uh, you know, we didn't start covering any matches there till 10 o'clock-ish, but I was up there and set up by 8.30 or 9 o'clock probably. Of course, the next two weeks we're on Jay County Standard Time, so we'll be right on the air by – 8.30 for the very first matches, and uh, now, that's a little bit different. As the director of WZBD Sports, have you spoke to the basketball coaches show they know gentlemen? Their, they know their place. Yeah. They know their place. And I know the two, we know the two men that have uh, rotated back and forth to be in charge of that uh, show. As uh, uh, Mike's been taking over and spotting Matt a few of uh, those shows tonight, uh, during the last part of this season. Yeah, and uh, I talked to Mike yesterday for a little bit, and after Adam Central scored 87 points on Friday night, he said it, he didn't have much of a 
a difficult time in the middle of the show on Saturday morning because all you got to do is feed Aaron McClure about one question and then, boom, you just let him go. It's like interviewing Michael Mosier of the Adam Central Flying Jets football team. You know, one question, 20 minutes later. Thanks, Coach. Next, Coach. Now, if we could just get Tony to talk that much when he's on our show, it's a little bit different. But uh, Tony was, I think, pleased with his performance for Adam Central. Obviously, I think they wanted to be closer to Jay County, but they had some good performances. Their, their top guys got through. A couple of their guys who are used to winning, I mean, they knew that they were going to have tough matches in the finals. Um, saw some good things. Saw some guys fight back from early round losses. Uh, we saw some of those young guys down in the lower weights fight back, fight off their back, as we've talked about before. For South Adams, I think it's the same thing. We saw some good things, I'm sure. South Adams wanted to win there with Somerset, um, you know, and he was right with it. His only other loss this year was to Duke. That match ends at 12-10. Um, but, you know, those freshmen are gaining valuable experience, and we'll talk to Coach Myers maybe about South Adams a little bit. But, you know, I think going into next year, and we talked about this a little bit at Team State, uh, they're not going to have to worry next year about being the last vote-in team. Yeah. They, they've got plenty of firepower now. I think they're going to qualify. But at the same time, Coach Gaskell is probably telling his boys, look, you don't have to worry about qualifying if you guys wrestle to your potential on Saturday, and you've, and you've got to do that. And all those boys have to, have to do that. You know, I, somebody asked me how the, the ACAC went, and I said it, it was really a three-team three race between uh, Jay County, Am Central, and South Adams. Uh, there was a couple of guys here and there smattered amongst the uh, other teams that uh, were some pretty decent wrestlers. But for the most part, you know, I, I think that Jay County, Am Central, and South Adams had, had the bulk of the quality wrestlers there. Yeah, looking at the team scores, you know, um, Heritage finishes last. It was nice to see Southern Wells get some guys. I think they had a couple of thirds there at the end and some of the upper weights. And what did we count, nine or ten, yeah. ten guys that they had in the, in the lineup. So that's always good, and I, sh I think that should help the, uh, the fields for sectional the next week. We'll talk a little bit about sectional seating here with Coach Myers in the, in the first period. And obviously we still need to mention Blackford and Union City, so we'll talk a little, little TEC, CIC a little bit later on as – uh, our fans, our listeners are going to hear who does Blackford have, who does Union City have. They've always got one or two guys who kind of get thrown in there. You think you know, okay, these guys are going to be one, two, three, and then all of a sudden, oh, Blackford's got a guy who's 26 and three. Where does he fit in? So we'll take a look at those two. Yeah, you've got a Union Union City. A lot of times we'll bring somebody in or Monroe Central who will come in to uh, the Delta section. will have some pretty good records, and then the, their their strength of schedule just hasn't given them the, the true record that uh, you probably should have there. Yeah, and don't forget, next week our show is going to be on Monday night because of the conference championship games. And I have confirmed with uh, the brass down in Indianapolis that uh, Commissioner Falcons will be our guest in the first period next week on Monday. So you'll be able to get your state finals ticket information, and maybe we'll press them a little bit. Hey, when are we going to find out this announcement on next year's state finals? Probably when he finds out, and all of the all of those things. So it should be good. Did you uh, partake in any uh, food tonight? Yes, I did. I went back to my old standby. I went with a Cuban because the Cuban is phenomenal. Now, is this and two nights in a row that you had? No, no. I had pulled pork egg rolls okay. last night. Um, you go with the Cuban. You cut that thing in half and eat half your tots. So you got tots and a Cuban for lunch tomorrow. And that Cuban warms up really nice at at work. So 
Had to pull pork egg rolls. I had some left over from last Sunday night. Uh, I had those last night for supper, and I've got one of those squirreled away too. So a reminder that our next show is on Monday night, the 30th, and then the following week in between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl, I believe we are on Sunday on February 5th, but then we jump back to Monday, the week heading into the state finals, and then you and I still have to look at the schedule as to what that's going to look like. We did talk about it on our show Friday night. I don't know if you guys touched on it yesterday, but they did release the state finals schedule for Friday and Saturday. So I, I'm thinking that we're going to end up with a show Friday morning before anything starts um, live from the balcony there at GameBridge and, and see the crowd building. And I don't know, I haven't discussed with my wife your uh, discussion of sleeping on our <laughs> hotel hotel room floor. It's kind of an open invitation, to be honest. Whoever shows up and knocks on the door. I was going to say. Jim right. Tante shows up one time and... and Darn near stays the night. Just as long as I can out arm wrestle uh, Matthew C. Monroe, huh? That's true. You may have to. Now, now Matthew said that he was in his perfect world because his two favorite things on this earth are the Dallas Cowboys and High School Wrestling Weekly. <laughs> and they're both going on at the same time right now. And so he's, he's taping a football game and listening to he's us live. He's watching without audio the football game and listening to us. So, so with that, uh, the weigh-in period has ended, and we're going to – Take a time to uh, play some of our studio commercials, and we'll be back with more wrestling here on High School Wrestling Weekly. The staff at Haggard, Hershey, and Zelt Funeral Home is honored to serve the community we love and live in. Locally owned and operated by Ryan Hershey and Eric Zelt, we understand that each family we serve and each life lived tells a unique story. Our goal is to offer comfort, care, and dignity to all who entrust their loved ones to our care. We are proud to call Adams County our home and look forward to serving you for generations to come. DDD Maintenance and Repair, owned and operated by Shane Reynolds, has your local professionals for heavy-duty truck and diesel engine repair. DDD Maintenance and Repair also offers full-service sand and glass blasting for your surface restoration projects. Whether it's getting your heavy-duty truck and diesel engine running like new or sandblasting your project to look like new, we have a blast renewing the past. Give Shane and the guys a call at 260-223-5442. That's DDD Maintenance and Repair. Hi, this is Joel at Decatur Package Liquors, locally owned since 1965. I promise competitive prices and the best service in town. Stop in and ask me for details about our new Beer of the Month Club with all our great varieties. We offer bulk buy discounts for weddings, graduation parties, and other big celebrations. Special orders are also available and highly recommended. Don't forget about Wine Wednesday where you get the best savings. Decatur Package Liquor, it's located right on 13th Street. Come on, guys. It's where your friends shop. Welcome back to Hager Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted once again by the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. And, Dane, we've got a nice crowd here tonight. The uh, Belmont fans uh, turned out in, in uh, good numbers, but it's not like it was last Sunday night. <laughs> I don't know if we could do last Sunday every week of the season. It would be a little bit too much, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And I'll share this with this with uh, Coach Myers. And he was there last, last week on, what was that, Sunday? Yes, yes, it was Sunday, Sunday night, last yeah. week. Uh, Ed Pendoski was in here, and I never realized, and I guess I'm ignorant, that Ed and Paul were college teammates. And Ed was here, obviously, for the viewing and for the funeral. And uh, it was after our show, and we were talking, and he put his arm around me and said, Dane, I got everything I could ever want at Carmel, but I don't have this. 
And I thought, man, what a deep thing to say. <laughs> but, like, what he, he really – I don't even know how to describe it. He, he really appreciated the fact that this many people cared about wrestling so much. that, And, obviously, he was there. Um, I'm not sure when you were there on Sunday for the viewing, but when the Purdue team walked in, it, it kind of gave you goosebumps because – Obviously, those guys were from all over the country, and then they dispersed after they were done with school, but they stuck together, and it kind of bound them together. But uh, that comment really stuck with me for this weekend. Yeah, and that's uh, – those Purdue teammates had a really great bond with Paul. Um, I, I went to, I think, the last three NCAA wrestling tournaments with Paul, and, uh, you know, we'd be going out to eat or, or you know, hanging out, and he'd get a call from one of the Purdue wrestlers, and they'd go meet up and hang out for a little bit. But it was always neat to see him catch up with those guys. And uh, one thing I was talking to Ed, you know, we talked to him at different times, and I got the same vibe from him. He said, you know, school at Carmel is close to 5,000 students. You know, I don't think that you can have a close-knit group like you have in the Belmont or the Portland or the Monroe you know, those families that have grown up, you know, they've run their own tournaments. I mean, those people are tight. Most of them are related to each other in these small towns. But when you come to a city like Indianapolis and you got Carmel and you got 5,000 students, I don't think you can draw that kind of a tight-knit group together to have that little hometown feel like we have. Well, I just kind of, you know, sometimes I, I like to make some comments on the message board that maybe I wouldn't make in person, but... Somebody said something about, you know, how, how great does the rivalry between Brownsburg and Crown Point rank all time? And I, I said, it's something like the Colts rivalry with the Seahawks. <laughs> but I don't think a lot of people realize what a real wrestling rivalry is, is like. And they think that since, Bulldog, uh, since uh, the Bulldogs of Crown Point and, and Brownsburg have been fighting for the last three years for 4A supremacy, that all of a sudden that's a rivalry. I don't think they understand what a rivalry is. You know, if you have Belmont and Am Central in a small gym and you put 3,200 people in there, that doesn't sound like a lot for Brownsburg and, and Crown Point. But that is like one-third of the population of both cities together, and they're all in one place watching a wrestle match on a Tuesday night. And I, I don't think, until they come and witness it, I don't think that people outside of our area understand, number one, the media coverage that you get, the sports, the you know, print media they, they get and then the support of the school that they get compared to other areas that just are really lacking in that. Absolutely. And, and just, you know, off the top of my head, Penn, Mishawaka, um, the old Cathedral Delta rivalry. I mean, those are completely different animals. Than, and yeah. maybe 15 years down the road now, Brownsburg and Crown Point are there. But I don't think there's a police presence <laughs> when Brownsburg wrestles Crown Point at this point, and I think those these, those aforementioned uh, rivalries needed a police presence, yeah, for sure. So, well, let's talk a little bit about the ACAC. We were there Friday night. Uh, we were there in the coaches' meeting with you. Uh, Rex found the pizza before I did, but there were a few cookies left over midway through. Um, you guys took care of business. You won six of the first seven weight classes, and. I mean, pretty, pretty much showed that you guys were the class of the ACAC, but there were some great overall individual performances. Tell us a little bit about how your team performed. Yeah, I, I was happy with the way that we wrestled. Um, you know, we were favored in some of those lower weight classes, uh, but, you know, th there's a lot of good competition in the ACAC. Adam Central has a, a really solid team, and uh, South Adams does also, and, uh, you know, Bluffton has some good guys sprinkled in there, so 
uh, we were pretty fortunate to wrestle as well as we did, and uh, we're, we're hoping to keep it rolling as we get in the state tournament series. Now, we don't want to throw Heritage and Woodland under the bus, but we might as well because we kind of shed them after this week, but the rest of the ACAC stays together, and then you add in Belmont and Norwell and then Bluffton, or uh, Blackford and Union City, like we mentioned earlier. You and I had a conversation on Friday about the dynamic of is it easier for your team to win the ACAC or is it easier to win the sectional? How does the addition of two 2A team state teams like Belmont and Norwell change the dynamic for you looking at team scores and title possibilities? Yeah, you have you had two teams that um, Belmont won the NEA and then was Norwell the runner-up? Yes, then? they were. Yeah, so it's interesting. You had the top two teams from the ACAC, top two teams from the NEA in there, and then, uh, you know, it's uh, – some of those guys start picking off other guys and, and you're not getting your championship points and you're not getting your advancement points. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Sometimes it, it, uh, it's an advantage because, um, you know, so, some of those teams pick off enough uh, of those lower weight classes or, or, you know, those earlier matches that uh, you're able to accumulate more points that way. And then, you know, the ACAC, sometimes it, it lines up as a, a duel um, so we'll kind of see how that plays out. It, it's interesting. The more I look at it, the more I kind of go in circles with myself on it. So, guys, I have the Jumbotron up behind you here this week. So if there's a particular weight class you'd like to look and run down to the ACAC, we can go to those finals and, and we can hit on some of those weight classes. But uh, I do see you know, Levi John still just one loss on the season. I think he was pretty much the class of the field at 13 this week. Yeah, we, we were pretty excited how Daniel Moore wrestled there. That's his uh, – He's permanently staying at 113. That's the closest match that he's had with Levi Johns um, since he's been wrestling, like five matches, I think. Looking at 120, um, I was impressed with the way that Mav Dubois wrestled from Adam Central. Yeah, he's a very tough freshman. We were um, pretty con concerned with that match going in. We were, we were pretty pumped uh, with the way Tay wrestled. He, he went out and got a takedown near fall early and made that one stick and kind of kind of coasted a little bit in the, the third period on that one, but glad that he was able to get a win. This young man, Cody Rawls, still 31-0, and 0, uh, gets a fall in 46 seconds, uh, and he definitely, I think he wrestled maybe less than a minute all the whole tournament. Yeah, he usually comes out swinging. He's, he's a lot of fun to watch. He's, he's got funky hips and really talented wrestler. Did he pick up, was that win number one? Was he the one with win number 100 yeah, this he, week? Yeah, his 100th career win, uh, he got that in the semifinals. And uh, Tony Wood got his 100th career win at uh, Team State. So we had two juniors that hit number 100. And we kind of, we talked about it a little bit in our broadcast. I think I was lucky enough to get it right on my prediction. But as soon as Tony Wood got that opening takedown, I told Rex, that's all he needs. That's, that's, that's all he's going to need yeah. to get the win. And it seems like when those two wrestle... That's kind of been the way it's gone. Yeah, the uh, you know wrestling in that neutral position is really important. Allman is he he's really talented on bottom. Um, he, he put Tony in a, a couple pretty awkward scramble situations that he was able to recover from. But uh, you know it'll be interesting to see those guys go at it week after week. You know both those guys. One will get in really deep on a double leg or a single leg. And then they scramble, scramble, and then the guy that you think was getting taken down ends up on top, slips a leg in, and comes up on top. But uh, I, I think those two are very – it's a fun match to watch, regardless of who wins it, you know, because yeah. we don't care. <laughs> right, right. Um, 
Yeah, that, because we got Jay County sponsors now, Eric. So we can't <laughs> we can't even be pretend to be partial anymore. Well, that's good. Um, that 132 pound final, though, I that was I thought the um, most enjoyable finals match of the night. That uh, you know Cook got the only takedown that match, and and Riley was able to win three to two. So that that was a lot of fun. Uh, both those guys are explosive too. I mean, especially Cook. I mean, just got a short short fuse and just very powerful. And then he was in on a couple of takedowns. I think he's got to take them, and, and you know Riley's able to work his way out of it. Yeah, that's uh, that'll be an enjoyable match to watch going forward. And yeah. that's a that's a really tough weight class as you start to roll in um, Yorktown and Cowan into the regional. And we talked a little bit about the fact that Ethan Riley won an ACAC title as a freshman and then didn't win as a sophomore or junior, comes back, wins as a senior, and then we noted later in the broadcast that Silas Loshi had done the exact same thing. Okay. 106 and 113, I believe, their freshman year. Yeah, and then Loshi wins at 106 and, one, and 160. So at 145 pounds, I mean, I don't know what you think uh, the ceiling is for Cameron Clark, but, I mean, we saw what he did last year. He's got – who's his one loss to? Um, Brevin Thrine. Oh, uh, from Newcastle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was in a, a – really, he was leading uh, most of the match. Uh, Thrine worked his way back uh, in deep on a high crotch, I believe, in the third period. And Thrine was able to kind of hip in, and he threatened a, um, a chin rip, and then he came back with a bulldog and put him, right, put him on his back. And it was, uh, it was an intense match, a lot of fun. Wish it would have went the other way. It would have been more fun that way, but – we thought that 152 was one of the best finals matches between Funk and, uh, and Whitcamp. And obviously you throw in Colt Bullenbacher and you've got the Belmont champ in Gavin Davis at 152. What an outstanding weight class that's going to be on Saturday. Absolutely. Funk's got a great uh, fireman's dump that uh, we're working really hard to stay out of. And Whitcamp kind of got into a scramble and got hit with that and gave up four. Um, and then Whitcamp was able to work his way back, but you know what I told Christian, he lost he lost 16 to five in the duel, and now he's now he's at seven five. And I felt like we had a tilt there that we may have been able to get near fall on sometimes, and we just didn't get it there. But but he's closing uh, the gap. Yeah, closing the gap. Then we get into the weight classes where uh, Dane was scrambling and Rex was working by himself. <laughs> Silas gets the pin over uh, Frecker. And then I don't even know if I really remember watching 170, but A.J. Myers gets the win. and uh, It was a dogfight. I mean, there could have been three other takedowns given that weren't. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was – and then A.J. AJ finds a way to put kids on their back. So uh, happy that he came out with a pin there. At 182, uh, it was a score fest between Wank and Somerset, 12-10, and a very good Wyatt McAfee finishes third. Yeah, a lot of scoring in that match. That's probably number two on uh, finals matches for me. I, uh, there's some stalling in there that was pretty questionable. but uh, You know, when, when Maverick <laughs> Summer sits on a mat, somebody's getting thrown. Yeah, he, he's a really entertaining wrestler, really talented wrestler. And at 195, Trevor Curry wins his third ACAC title in three years with a fall over Flores. And then Adam Central gets another uh, title at 220 with Keegan Bloom. And then 285... You know, I don't know. We've seen I've seen Zach Warren wrestle Juan Cruz how many times now? I, I don't I think, think he can Cruz, get there. Cruz is just better than him. I'm not sure that that Worm has it in him, and that's no dog on on Worm. 
I just think Cruz is, is a class above him. Yeah, and, and you have some matchup issues there where, uh, you know, Worm may compete better against some kids than Cruz does, but uh, in that matchup, it just seems like Cruz just, just keeps opening that gap. So that wraps up our uh, wrap-up here for the ACAC here in the first period. I want to tell you before we go to break that nobody handles screen printing and apparel like Team Montreware in Bluffton. And if you are a head coach of a team and you're getting ready to think about perhaps your sectional title shirts or regional title shirts or semi-state qualifier T-shirts or uh, state T-shirts, give Team Montreware a call. They take all the work that coaches and volunteers used to do, taking orders and collecting money. And they do that work for you. Set up an online store, which Rex has done. And let the local experts at Team Mantra take care of the rest, from custom designs to a wide array of apparel and gear. Team Mantra is your home for all your team apparel needs. Visit them at their brand-new lo- location at Team Mantra where on Main Street in Bluffton. So all those uh, fans of the Hager, of the uh, Hager Hershey Zell High School Wrestling Weekly that stopped Dane and I and said, hey, where can we get some of those shirts? The store has been opened up. That is the link. We'll put that out. I put it out on my Facebook page. I've got a couple of kids that have shared it. We're going to give that to Steve. Make sure Steve has that on the WZBD website. All you got to do is look at Dane. Dane's got like 8,000 Facebook friends, and he'll put that out there, and so we'll get the link too. I saw two of those shirts at the ACAC, and I saw two of them at the NE8 tournament. So they're, they're well, making their way around. My son-in-law had his gift that I gave him for Christmas on at breakfast today, so I guess that works. So with that, we're going to play some commercials and be back with more High School Wrestling Weekly here on WZBD. When you're doing new construction or remodeling and you need drywall, the name to call is Paul Baker Drywall. Paul Baker Drywall does championship caliber work and gives you free estimates. Paul uses all the latest styles for your approval and his work is always guaranteed. Give Paul a call today at 701-4388. That's 701-4388. When it's time for drywall, use the best. Paul Baker Drywall. Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street in Decatur is hands down the best auto body repair shop in the Midwest. That's why your friends and neighbors give Bowers Paint Studio a five-star rating on Facebook. Your family ride get dinged in an accident? Take it to Bowers for a free estimate. Need a custom paint job for your collectible car or motorcycle? Bowers Paint Studio is the place to go. Nate works with all the insurance companies and can help you get a loaner. That's Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street in Decatur. Brad Weber proudly supports the WZBD Wrestling Coaches Show. He also supports youth football in Adams County as a board member of the Decatur Football League and president of Belmont Cadet Football, giving our youth the chance to learn the great game of football. Some of the best football players in our area have also been fantastic wrestlers. That's why famous coaches like Joe Gibbs and John Madden always wanted wrestlers on their team. Find out more about youth football opportunities by giving Brad a call at 452-7045 or email bw at bradweberlaw.com. Welcome back to Hager Hershey's Elt High School Wrestling Weekly, once again hosted by the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Once again, the food is fantastic. I see our waitress bringing out plates after plate of food to the uh, fans that have come out here tonight. And i tell you what, Dane, you and I eat here a lot. I eat here a lot when the show's not going on. And uh, I have never had any bad meal here whatsoever. I always boast up Jason's food because he's bigger than I am. But, uh, yeah, the, the food is always good here at the Double Eagle. And uh, tonight went with the Cuban, and uh, I see a lot of wings. We had a wing special here tonight. Uh, wings are, are great here with multiple different kinds of sauces. And uh, uh, the other night they had the uh, pulled pork egg rolls, and he's got this kind of a tangy mustard sauce that goes with it. And that they're, they're really good. 
Well, I always go back and forth as to where the true mecca of Indiana high school wrestling is, whether it's here or whether it's in Peterson, Indiana. I don't know which one it is. Peterson, Peterson Heights also. You East know, Peterson. If you're, if you're counting the 6,000 poinsettias that were grown there, maybe. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Hey, before we go any further, I want to tell you that for a complete selection of financial services, including financial planning and insurance services, depend on Troy Jacks at Jackson Associates at 954 Industrial Drive in Portland. Troy Jacks at Jackson Associates in Portland is pleased to be a sponsor of this show and would like to congratulate the Patriots on their ACAC title and wish everybody good luck on the next week at sectional. Troy Jacks at Jackson Associates in Portland wishing the uh, Jay County Patriots and all local wrestlers the best of luck in next week's sectional. Now, I always get those guys mixed up, but I believe that Kurt Van Skyhawk come up to me and said, I listen to your show every week. He said, when are them shirts available? So, Van Skyhawk, if you're listening, <laughs> the Team Montraware logo or the Team Montraware link to our online store is up and running again, so you can get yourself one of those shirts. Now, one of our other sponsors for this period as we get and take a look at the NE8 tournament is the Fort Wrestling Facility, and they are going to have some upcoming sessions for young wrestlers as we get ready for the ISWA season. Of course, we had middle school qualifiers today in multiple places across the state. I did see some Belmont boys there. There were some. There was a large group of Adam Central middle school wrestlers. Did Jay County have uh, young men wrestling yes, today? Yes, we had a few wrestle uh, at Carmel. In the okay. Qualifier there. Now I thought it was weird because our boys went to Warren Central, mm -hmm. but yours went to Carmel. To Carmel. So, but our boys were at Franklin this weekend. The middle school <laughs> Braves went two and two and two or two and three, I believe. And uh, uh, a big meet tomorrow if you are a high school wrestling fan in Adams County. Head on over to Adams Central tomorrow because the middle school teams for Belmont and Adams Central wrestle at 6 p.m., I believe, and that, that should be a good one. A lot of young names there that you'll recognize. If you want to get a preview of the next couple of years, huh? Absolutely. Oh, sorry, Tuesday. Today's Sunday. Yeah. Thankfully, we got someone correcting us. Does she have a black book like you do? No, she, she's got it all online. She's more advanced than I am technologically. Anyways, Fort Wrestling Facility, they've got training opportunities for youth wrestlers heading into ISWA State, middle school state. They've got a girls' session planned for the end of high school season here with Blaine Culp leading that. And I believe, Eric, and you can correct me on this, I believe there's going to be what I like to call an old man session coming up. Uh, coming up in February and March, and I believe, who's leading that? Um, I'm blanking on his first name Lopshire. now. Yeah. yeah. He was there. Is that Saturday? It was, uh, I can't remember which tournament I was thinking of Lopshire because Tyrone was, was at both of them. Yeah. Lopshire was at uh, New Haven on Saturday. Now, could we see maybe an Eric versus Andy Myers <coughs> showdown at, at something like that? I, I just don't think that would end well for me. <laughs> okay. So, I, you know, and I think that that's – it's a pretty neat opportunity for, for old guys to go out and wrestle, but I don't think anybody needs to watch it, really. So Lopshire brings me a gift on Saturday. He said that showed up on Facebook sometime last week. <laughs> Carol versus Cherubusco, 1987. And he's, I looked at it and said, who's that? And he goes, that's you. It's like, oh, I didn't recognize me with dark hair, let alone hair at all. So I brought that home. My wife goes, yeah, you used to have hair, so. Well, Tim Myers in uh, his office right now, he's got a picture. And we talked the last couple of weeks about his relationship with B.J. Farrote. And he's got this great picture that I believe Jim Hopkins took. And it's uh, Tim on one side, 
and BJ on the other, but you're standing there in the background. You're signaling too. I don't remember. I think it. I, don't, I think it was Tim was waiting on a match to happen or whatever. But it's kind of funny. The yeah. way the most random people uh, end up in your pictures and all those types of things. Because the one of the years he won, in, I think his first state championship. I was refereeing that year, and okay. I, I had a problem because they were lining up all twelve referees on the side, and I was sitting right in the front, and my buddy Brad Williamson was right next to me, and with about. 10 seconds left to go in a match. He's wrestling like Kip Madison. He gets a takedown to seal the deal. And I jumped up <laughs> right in front of 10,000 people. Help yourself. And Williamson goes, Boop, and pulled me right back down. I was like, <laughs> but, you know, so, you know, you have a little Belmont blood in you still that stays. So if you look, uh, the first Belmont kid we had to uh, make it to the finals, it was at uh, 132. And uh, once again, we saw how good uh, Easton Doster is. You know, bad ankle and all, uh, he he just dominated Eddie on top. I mean, they scrambled a little Not bit. Not Eddie, it's Sam. It's it's, it's all the same, but. <laughs> Wolpert. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I refereed Eddie's matches too. So, um, But, you know, he and Sam went pretty close on our feet, and then once he got on top, just powered him over and gets, gets a fall in a minute 28. But I think the rest of the tournament, I think Sam wrestled very well. Yeah, and as we talked earlier when we were looking at the brackets at 132, um, Whoever finishes fourth on Saturday at 132 won't be disappointed, I think. To survive out of there right. will be somewhat like the weight class that it was last year with Ullman and Bullenbacher and Farouk getting fifth. And, I mean, that, it was that yeah, deep a weight class. Riley. That's about the same thing that it's going to be this year. Yeah, so Wolpert's having a great year. And uh, your buddy uh, Jean-Paul oh, come back and wrestle a great match for fifth. And those are the guys that scored the points for the Braves that I think helped propel them across. The guys that came back in the consoles and didn't just win but got majors or pins or tech falls. And I, I know Nick Coons was talking about it last night after we got home, but just the look on Kevin's face when he won. I mean, he really felt a part of the team and was just so happy to get that pin for fifth place. And I think that just it talks to the true essence of, of what it is that we do every weekend. You know, and once again, you, you and I have praised uh, Gavin Davis uh, all season long. And I don't know, Eric, you're pretty impressed with him as well. As it, He's probably one of the better 52-pounders that's going to come through our uh, regional, and you're going to see him next couple weeks. But uh, he dominated the class on Saturday. and just I don't think there was a match that he just didn't totally out-wrestle everyone. So whenever I looked at the results, the first thing I wondered is if, he won someone a free oil change. <laughs> he did not. He did not. Can you believe that? He got the seven. So he got seven. the seven and then pinned the guy. Eight is not easy to get to. That's what we've discovered. Sorry, fans. No free oil change this week. We're one takedown short. One takedown short. You could Sorry. relocate them to 7th Street, and then they'd only need seven <laughs> takedowns. You can, you can have a talk with uh, Keegan Martin, who had seven. You can have a talk with Duke Myers, who had seven. You can talk with uh, Dav Gavin Davis, who had seven. But uh, they weren't looking for us going, one more. You need one someone more. letting them know. Like whenever the Reds, they, whenever there's 10 strikeouts, uh -huh. uh, they get free La Rosa's pizza. And everybody, you know, they could be down by eight runs and people are still cheering for that 10th strikeout. <laughs> uh, you need to have people in the, in the stands cheering for that eighth, eighth takedown. But uh, once again, Dave, Davis just kind of blew through that field. And he's I, looking stronger now than I've seen him ever wrestle. And I think at 152, when you're talking Funk, Whitcamp, and Davis – all three of those boys are planning on wrestling on Friday at State. 
Absolutely. That's a, that's a great group of 152-pounders. Now, Dane, we move up to 160, and, and a special night tonight. Uh, this young man's parents have made their way in here, and I, just so they can hear us talk about him, uh, our freshman phenom, uh, Xavier Palacios. And you and I knew when we saw him wrestle on uh, Madison Street Plaza that he was going to gain experience. And there was a point in that match when he was walking back to the center of the mat he had this big smile on his face to let him know that, you know, this Max Walker, who's a senior, thought that he should beat him. He knew that he could beat this kid. And I talked to Timmy afterwards, and he said, when I saw that smile, I said, I knew he had a match in, in control. And, and he came back, waits to the end, gets a reversal on the kid. And I tell you what, he is a takedown. He's a uh, cradle machine. And Tim Myers said, uh, Randy Baker, you need to look out because your pin record may be in jeopardy with this young man. Well, it reminded me a little bit of a conversation that I, I – was able to listen to between Sean Farrow and uh, Doby Litchfield. Earlier in the year, Doby had wrestled in a tournament, and he ended up wrestling Asa Garcia and was maybe 5-2, 5-3. And Doby came back to Sean and said, man, I wrestled really well. I couldn't believe I was that close to him. And, and Sean said, we've been trying to tell you for four years that you're that good. You just needed to believe in yourself that you are. And it, it, it kind of reminded me of that with, with Xavier. Everybody's been telling me that. And, Xavier didn't go into that match thinking, well, this kid's better than me. He's a senior. Like, this is going to be a tough match for me to win. No, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win this match. Don't worry about who's favored. Just go out there and wrestle your match, and good things happen. And it's exactly what happened. And he pressured Walker and put Walker on his heels. And Walker, was, I think, was kind of set back a little bit by it. It's like, wait a minute, who's this kid? And uh, he just was go, 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 came after him, turned him with a cross-face cradle, and then come back and got a reversal late to uh, seal the deal at 6-5. But uh, I think that's one of those things that he could be a four-time conference champion. And Eric and I have talked about this before because uh, we've spent a lot of time looking at guys and we assign titles to them based on where they finished the year before. And, you know, once a guy's a ticket rounder, he, he seems to wrestle at a certain performance level in future years. I think for Palacios, the big challenge now is, okay, you're a conference champion. You beat that level of guy. Now back it up the next week and wrestle like that and, and, and take it to the next level and continue to wrestle that way. So we jump up to 170, and uh, Duke had a 47-second fall, and then he had a tech fall. And coming up the other side uh, the bracket, uh, Tanner Reed had a 10-1 decision, and he had a tech fall. We knew that that was going to be a good match. And uh, those guys, they are just that talented and explosive on their feet. Nobody really wanted to lay something out, but uh, they got a couple of real nice scrambles with no points. And then uh, they get in this, let's see, Duke got a takedown right on the edge of the mat with about three seconds left to go. They gave him like a 3-1 edge, and it kind of made, uh, it kind of made uh, Reed wrestle a little bit different. And there's the uh, flex on. But uh, it's one of those things where Duke caught a side cradle with Reed standing on one leg high, and he went from four feet off the ground to, to his back in that side cradle, and I don't think Reed really moved after he hit. He knew that it was that tight, and he hit, and it was a, like a touch fall, and uh, that was a, a pump match, and now we talked to, AJ talked to Blaine Culp, who's one of our good fans, like to listen. He said that the last time that Reed got beat by Duke, he said it, it was good for him, because it sparked him, and he said he wrestled so much better ever t since then. He said, so if he gets beat now, he said, I think it'll just incentivize him to wrestle that much better through sectional, regional, semi-state. And, of course, Columbia City comes through an entirely different regional, so, uh, you know, not even the a potential for Duke and Tanner to wrestle again until semi-state at the Coliseum, but well, there was a lot of energy there. Uh, Finley, Godsey got a great picture of... Um, I, I would have had the same picture 
but instead I had a referee walking directly in front of me. So, um, but sometimes that's how it goes. But there's a great picture uh, that Finley took with, with Nick Coons in the background and uh, fired up, and he's here tonight with us. But Duke's flexing, got his arms up, and Reed's laying on his back. And at that point it was kind of already over, but that was kind of the final stamp on things as – Belmont had won titles at 152, and then again at 160, and then a third in a row uh, at 170, and it, it was kind of a, a crowning achievement on the day. So now we're going to take a vote from this table right here in the front. Do we want to skip over 195, Judge and the Doc? Do we want to skip over 195? Or we want to well, talk we don't wanna, about we talk a little bit about 182. 182, Timo was upset. He he hit the wrong move in the semifinals. He came in as a one seed. It was his return to the mat. Uh, and you could tell that Austin was upset heading into that third-place match, and he was not about to wrestle in the second period in that weight. He got the fall. All that momentum from winning at 52, 60, and 70. Well, he hasn't wrestled in a month. Exactly. So, so. we're, we're going to talk about 95 because I think that uh, Henry wrestled a really good match in his second-round match um, and uh, had a, had a – Good match, 4-2 against Luther from Norwell. That's a big, strong kid. Henry's the big, tall, lanky kid. Luther's a short, stocky kid. And I thought Henry wrestled an excellent match to get to the finals. And then um, there's a couple moves. He got stuck, caught in a big headlock, was able to roll through it, but he gives up four. And so you're, you're fighting from behind on that, and he ends up losing 10-5. But I, I thought that that's a match that uh, Henry, you know, the headlock's the great equalizer that uh, can – end any match quickly, but I think that's one of those, th one of those matches that uh, I think if they wrestle again, Henry wrestles out a little bit different. Well, and 195 at our regional is uh, awfully difficult, and you know, there's no guarantee when we talk about Henry's two losses to Nate Elliott, there's no guarantee that by the time Henry reaches the goal that he's got, that, that Elliott will still be around. You don't, you don't know yeah. with the way the draws work, but obviously the the, the potential rematch is between Curry and Henry at 195, but, you know, there's three weekends yet to go. So you see how you get set up coming out of that regional end of the semi-state. But uh, at 220, I think Keegan uh, Martin was the uh, class of the field. Um, he, uh, I think he struggled a little bit with Park. I don't really think Park wanted to wrestle with him the way that Keegan wanted to in the finals, and he kind of stayed away from him, but... Uh, he comes out with a 6-3 win, but 13-4 uh, major in the first in the second match. In his first match, he's got a 336 fall. And I, I think that there was nobody else who was even close to him in, the, in that tournament. Yeah, and I was really excited to see Ivani uh, get off the schneid and, and get back to winning ways. He, he wrestled tough in those two pins that he got. And uh, he ended up taking fifth, but uh, it was good for him. And I know, and maybe we'll talk about this at the end of the show or on the podcast, obviously – team score is going to be a big deal this Saturday for Belmont, for Adam Central, for Jay County. Belmont's not going to be able to win if they don't score some points at heavyweight, and they need some fall points from Giovanni. So it was good to see him get back to some falls. Well, Giovanni, after a second-round match, he hit a real nice double leg, uh, went from a single to a double, gets a double leg, and uh, A.J.'s down the floor, walks by, and he goes, Hey, A.J., do you see that double leg? And he goes, that may have just may have won you an interview on the radio, <laughs> and it did. So when it was all said and done, Ivani comes up and has his first on-air presence, and uh, he, was, he was loving every minute of now, it. Now, Eric, did you ever get to do an interview on WZBD as a, 
as a high school wrestler? I did not. You did not. See, you weren't in the era where WZBD was covering Adam Central Wrestling. I was not. They, they did whenever we wrestled Belmont. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but usually yeah. it was as the enemy yeah. only. <laughs> so that's our recap of the NEA tournament. And when we come back from our break, we will discuss the upcoming sectional with all of the details with Coach Myers here and talk about some of the seeding implications and team scores and some of the matchups to watch. But we'll be right back after these messages. Hi, this is Jesse from Heller Nursery in Decatur, Indiana. We are celebrating 75 years in business with three generations of Heller still working. During these winter months, we have a great selection of pottery and houseplants in our greenhouses. New shipments in weekly and stay up to date with Heller Nursery on Facebook. Stop in at Heller Nursery for a breath of fresh air. Don't forget, Heller Nursery is open seven days a week, including Sundays. Check out hellernursery.com for our spring tree and shrub options. The staff at Haggard, Hershey, and Zelt Funeral Home is honored to serve the community we love and live in. Locally owned and operated by Ryan Hershey and Eric Zelt, we understand that each family we serve and each life lived tells a unique story. Our goal is to offer comfort, care, and dignity to all who entrust their loved ones to our care. We are proud to call Adams County our home and look forward to serving you for generations to come. DDD Maintenance and Repair, owned and operated by Shane Reynolds, has your local professionals for heavy-duty truck and diesel engine repair. DDD Maintenance and Repair also offers full-service sand and glass blasting for your surface restoration projects. Whether it's getting your heavy-duty truck and diesel engine running like new or sand blasting your project to look like new, we have a blast renewing the past. Give Shane and the guys a call at 260-223-5442. That's DDD Maintenance and Repair. Welcome back to the Hager Hershey Zelt High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Sorry for that little gap in there, kids. I forgot I had to click the arrow button one more time to link those commercials together. But uh, we're back, and uh, the crowd seems to be enjoying their uh, libations and their food choices for the evening. There's a pretty nice crowd in here for the uh, uh, this week's show. So, uh, as we mentioned before, this would not be a sectional preview show if we did not talk about the TEC. And I know Eric has one of the most avid TEC fans in the state of Indiana. Uh, you were already looking at the brackets way ahead of what I was. But uh, one name to mention for Union City is Braden Daniels, 25-4, and four, a TEC champ at 126. Have you guys seen Union City this year? We did. He was at 132 um, for the ECIC, so he's down to 126 now. He's always been a really solid wrestler. And you mentioned uh, the finals matchup between he – and uh, Aquino Morales from Union County, who's got 35 wins or something this year. Uh, that was a second period fall. So Daniels definitely looks legit. Yeah, that was a big win for him. And, um, you know, that'll set him up pretty nice going into the sectional. So speaking of the sectional, as we're in the third period now, we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, the aforementioned Commissioner Falcons has decided to move the sectional seating meetings from Monday to Wednesday. Do you have any idea what the reasoning behind that was? I don't. Uh, I I like getting it done. I like knowing where we're at. But I 
think that it may be a good move because, you know, everyone will be able to get their, make sure that their records are updated, make sure that their seating criteria is in. And then I think that it also gives the tournament directors a little bit more time to uh, double check, make sure that everybody has uh, the, the proper amount of quality weigh-ins and quality scratch weigh-ins and all that good stuff. So speaking of a sectional seating meeting, for our listeners who uh, maybe haven't been coaches before, what kind of work do you have to do? So you got done 11.30 Friday night. You got home probably somewhere around 1 o'clock Saturday morning. What's your last 24 hours been like preparing for a sectional and a sectional seating meeting? What kind of paperwork, what kind of uh, information do you have to, to gather? Well, you want to make sure, like, your number one um – C criteria for sectional is head-to-head. So you want to make sure uh, that you have all those listed. And then the real work comes in whenever you're looking at common opponents because, like, you want to check out the uh, the TEC results and see if you have any common opponents there. Uh, you look through – I look through the ECIC because we see them. Uh, we see Union City. We have Bluffton. We have um, – uh, South Adams, and you go through ACAC duels, and then uh, you start checking out NHC and all, all those different uh, results to make sure that you have all of your um, all of your common opponents listed. And then uh, that pretty that that's the most work is making sure that you have all the uh, common opponents noted. So from my research, we mentioned a couple of Union City wrestlers. I don't believe Blackford has anything substantial as far as wrestlers who are going to be seated. Is there a Hernandez in there somewhere? Yeah, Brian Hernandez, I think, is at 145. Um, he may have popped up in the, the semi-state rankings. And then I think Union City has a 120-pounder with a decent record there. I, he might have been the TC runner-up. Um, I think he got fourth at uh, EC, third or fourth at the ECIC. Now, we go back to talking about the dynamic between the conference tournaments and the sectional tournament. And it really is as simple as having that one extra guy tossed in there to change the seating between the ACAC and the sectional. Whereas you this week were on the opposite side of the bracket as the three seed and you had a chance to knock off the two and move to the championship. Now all of a sudden you throw a kid in there from Blackford or Union City or from Norwell or from Belmont or from whatever, and all of a sudden you're on the same side as that stud, that returning state place or that returning mm-hmm. state qualifier, and it, it really changes the whole dynamic, and all of a sudden now you've got to look at your uh, matchups in the in the consolation brackets, and it, it really does change the scoring. Sure, and then uh, another thing that I noticed, like we had a situation where we had a head-to-head win over um, an opponent, but uh, we had lost to another person in our conference and they had beaten him so it was a round robin there and then it went to win percentage now we come to the sectional and that person has dropped out the the other person in the round robin so then that head-to-head stands so um you know going from conference seating to sectional seating there's there's a lot of um a lot of interesting situations that arise so walk us through on wednesday if the snow holds off You'll gather nine head coaches, mm-hmm. and who's your tournament director? Tim Millsball. Okay, and a, a man that wears many hats, um, from high school swim coach to um, sectional tournament host. Uh, probably, maybe the only person in the state who can who can claim that. Assistant football coach, Coach Bluffton. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
walk us through. What does that look like? Obviously, you input information ahead of time, but when it comes down to it, you start at 106, and what's the first conversation? First conversation's head-to-head. Um, whenever you're going through that, then is that what you're looking for? Yeah, so does, does, does a coach have to say, hey, I, want, I think my kid should be the number one, or does yeah. the tournament so, director say, these are, the, these are the kids we're considering? Yeah, so now with track wrestling, I go in and I put, I put all my wrestlers' uh, records in, and then you um, indicate whether they're a semi-state pass, semi-state quarterfinalist or not, uh, and then... You also indicate their furthest advancement if they their first furthest advancement in the state tournament series. Uh, then you can go in and also click on head-to-head wins. So then track wrestling sets up that seed, uh, that seeding criteria first through I think I think we seed six. Does that sound right? We do. Yep. And then then we draw the others in. Um, so track wrestling sets that up so then the discussion comes whenever you're looking at uh, common opponents because your head-to-head your win percentage your head-to-head and all those things have already been determined by track wrestling so if we look at the printed ihsla winner bulletin as to what the seating criteria is for sectional number one head-to-head competition during the current year number two a record against common opponents number three semi-state quarterfinalists, commonly known as a ticket rounder, uh, or higher in the previous tournament series. And then not until you get to number four does win percentage come in. And in the last few years, we have dropped uh, forfeits from the overall record. Right. And uh, another discussion, I had this discussion with Coach Curry in their AC Jet invite um, last week. They had some, some situations where two different wrestlers from Adam Central were in the same bracket and they ended up meeting each other. And I asked Coach Curry, hey, do you, how do you feel about that? Does that fall in line with what the rules say here? He said, yeah, I think we'll have to eliminate those wins when it comes to win percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's, a, there's a lot of talk there, but a lot of times it doesn't really get down to that fourth criteria. Yeah, and then after win percentage, I think there's another criteria there with a regional qualifier and on that breaks Yeah, it that says farthe- farthest advancement in the previous IHSAA state tournament series. Yeah, and that doesn't really matter because how often do you have guys with the exact same win percentage? And then I, I guess you do sometimes, but I've never seen it break a tie. Yeah, more often than not, that's probably for a – an undefeated situation. It could, uh, without a, a semi-state quarterfinalist, I guess. Right. Because, yeah. So, and we think back to, I don't know, how long have you been a head coach? This is my 16th year. So, going back, how, how has the criteria changed? Do you remember when the criteria used to be defending champion at the same weight? <laughs> Do you remember that vaguely, situation? Vaguely. Yeah, I, that, that had to be in my early years. Man, it's been a long time. But obviously the seating meeting used to have a lot more meaning prior to yeah. 2002 mm-hmm. when we were the old situation with the, the mini sectionals. Right, with the top two advancing. And, you know, if you had a returning state placer on one side, you know, you were selling your brother to get on the bottom half. Sure, and there's some great stories that could come out of that. You could... I'm sure you could put together a great podcast with just stories of the, the older seating well, the, meetings. Well, the reason that I ask is there is that, I think, when it comes down to a seating meeting, 
a lot of the way it goes is a result of how you start. Do you start with volunteers for the first seed? Because at the Al Smith this year, it was the opposite. So Joe had worked really hard on getting everybody in line, and he started with a seeding. Mm -hmm. And from there, you kind of had to have a challenge for the number one to move up. But in a sectional seeding meeting, I feel like it's the opposite. It's a, if you don't want your kid to be number one, you just sit back and you wait. And then a lot of times, and we've seen this before as the, the team state seeding committee, We'll have some coaches who would much rather be six than five. Right. And I, I've seen that happen before with track wrestling now that it does, does what you're talking about with what uh, Joe does at the, the Al Smith. It puts them in that order. Um, people don't really pull their kids out of consideration like they used to. And I, you know, I remember um, people not mentioning common opponents and things like that so that they could get on the other side of the bracket because they had a, felt like they had a better chance to advance. Is there just a little bit of adrenaline that comes out in you when you're ready to pull that out and you're ready to say, you, over there, all you have to do is say this and get your seed? Uh, a little bit. I, I, I always feel pretty comfortable because I have all my, all my paperwork together and I feel like, I, you know, I feel like I've studied for the test and but I'm ready to take it. But you can't affect what other but people I, bring I, to the that, table. That, sometimes that's a little frustrating, Hey, guys, let's uh, take this into the podcast. But right now, Dane, get your schedule ready for the rest of the week, and uh, we'll play these commercials, come back, and uh, Dane can pull up the WZBD calendar right after these messages here on Hagger Hershey's Hill High School Wrestling Weekly. Hi, this is Joel at Decatur Package Liquors, locally owned since 1965. I promise competitive prices and the best service in town. Stop in and ask me for details about our new Beer of the Month Club with all our great variety. We offer bulk buy discounts for weddings, graduation parties, and other big celebrations. Special orders are also available and highly recommended. Don't forget about Wine Wednesday where you get the best savings. Decatur Package Liquor, it's located right on 13th Street. Come on guys, it's where your friends shop. When you're doing new construction or remodeling and you need drywall, the name to call is Paul Baker Drywall. Paul Baker Drywall does championship caliber work and gives you free estimates. Paul uses all the latest styles for your approval and his work is always guaranteed. Give Paul a call today at 701-4388. That's 701-4388. When it's time for drywall, use the best Paul Baker Drywall. Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street in Decatur is hands down the best auto body repair shop in the Midwest. That's why your friends and neighbors give Bowers Paint Studio a five-star rating on Facebook. Your family ride get dinged in an accident? Take it to Bowers for a free estimate. Need a custom paint job for your collectible car or motorcycle? Bowers Paint Studio is the place to go. Nate works with all the insurance companies and can help you get a loaner. That's Bowers Paint Studio on West Monroe Street in Decatur. Welcome back to Hager Hershey's Held High School Wrestling Weekly. Once again, we're live in a Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill and. Uh, Dane, when I interviewed uh, Coach Kenny Webb the other night uh, before the uh, Carroll match, and he was talking, he, he told me, he said, yeah, we came in town early, and he said, I went by your radio studio, and he started talking about the studio, and he said, well, we're staying in Burn. I thought, okay, he's down in Burn. He went to the studio. I was like, 
why would he go to the studio? And he said, yeah, then yeah, we, we had lunch at your studio. And I was like, oh, <laughs> he was at the Double Eagle, and he's calling that our studio. And I'm like, well, okay, I, fair, I guess it is. Fair, fair I, enough. I was thinking the real studio, but this is the <laughs> second home away from home for us. That's right. Hey, tomorrow we have the Matt Painter Show at 6 o'clock. And then on Tuesday we have the Pacers as they host the Chicago Bulls on Wednesday. We've got girls basketball action. Final regular season game, I believe senior night for the Braves as they host Angola. Matt Commerce, Luke Honing on the call. And then on Thursday, we've got Purdue basketball at 8 o'clock pregame. Friday, we've got Heritage and Adam Central. I don't know, Rex, I know you're not necessarily a Twitter guy, but uh, Heritage, Luke Saylor, one of their best players, he hits a buzzer beater maybe just on the other side of half court on Friday night and drains it. Heritage crowd goes wild. Heck of a game. Uh, on Saturday, we'll have the basketball coaches show. It already says on our schedule, 7.30, not 8. Cool. And then we'll have wrestling sectional. Jay County Standard Time, 8.30 a.m. on Saturday. Sunday, we've got Michigan State and Purdue. Then the NFC Championship game. Then the AFC Championship game. Then on Monday, we've got Matt Painter Show. Oh, AFC Championship game has this young man fired up about his Bengals Very and, and Margie Tebow's Bengals. <laughs> and then on Monday, we've got High School Wrestling Weekly. And then Tuesday, we've got South Adams and Whitco next week and all the girls' sectional action the week following. So, so Dan, you mentioned Matt. Uh, we would be remiss if we did not mention that, uh, you know, condolences to Matt and Barb, who's been on the radio with us, and Al, our sales manager. Uh, you know, I was stopped by the funeral home and, and talked to them today, and uh, it was a really good feeling, good crowd, and uh, – wish uh, them the best in uh, moving forward uh, with the loss of Judy, who kind of was the glue that held that uh, Quonset hut together, I think. Yeah, and for the three of us who are perhaps the three biggest radio auction fans in Adams County, uh, it's, it's, it's that, not going to be the a, same. That's a big shoe to fill, I'm, sell, I'm telling you. Absolutely. So um, with that, I think we've made it through all of our ads, and uh, we'll sign off. Uh, we did not have an 8th Street Oil giveaway tonight. But I hope, I'm hoping, we that roll we'll over. have one next Monday after sectional. And with that, I'd like to thank Steve for running aboard for us. As the, uh, the radio section has gone down, but while we're still on the radio, let everybody know the online store has been opened up. Steve says he's going to try to get it onto the WZBD Facebook page. I put it on my Facebook page. Dane has like 8,000 contacts in his website and his phone, and he, he now has that too. But uh, if you listen out there, it's HTTPS slash WZBD Indiana Matt 23.itemorder.com on Team Montreal. So uh, look for that. Uh, we'll put that up a couple of different places. So uh, if you want to get those orders at minimum 12 pieces, that means if I have to order 11 shirts in my own day, and I will. But uh, we'll get that out there. So I'll keep track of what uh, uh, Kyle has over at Team Montreal, and uh, we'll get that done. Hopefully we can have those out so people don't have them for the tournament series. Absolutely. With that, we're signing off for the radio section and moving into the podcast section. Thanks a lot. So before we forget, and uh, for our listeners out there and for our live audience, give you an update on the middle school state qualifiers. Belmont had two young men who wrestled on Saturday at Franklin and then stayed overnight and wrestled at Warren Central. And excited to announce that Henry Ferrot went 4-0 today. He was the champ at the middle school qualifier at Warren Central and will be heading to middle school state. And at 80 pounds, Jacob Benninger uh, battled back for fifth place. 
for Adam Central, Cruz Bauer. Um, we obviously talk about Bauer's Paint Studio. He finishes fourth place at 75. Clay Beer for Adam Central gets sixth. Kale Beer gets third. Also competing, Owen Shane. Uh, third place is for Dylan Ogg and Alexander Schwartz. And Brayson Shortgen gets second. And we'll click over now to the, where'd you say you were, Eric? Carmel. Carmel. And uh, we'll take a look here at the Natwood Wrestling Club. I mean, the Jay County <laughs> Wrestling Club. Are you guys Patriot or Jay? Jay. That we, we switched to Jay because of the uh, Patriot, Patriots yeah, that's issue hard. with Heritage Hills. So Frederick Lingo takes second. He was, there were only two young men at mm -hmm. 182, and it looks like we have a split one here. Leighton Brown wins with three wins. So you got yep. two young men. Now, have you guys switched to a combined middle school team? Yeah. yeah. Okay. When did that switch happen? Um, let's see. Three years ago, we consolidated uh, the seventh and eighth grade are both at Jay County High School. And okay. then the sixth grades uh, were rolled back into the elementaries. Okay, so you guys are actually in the same school because yes. of consolidation, not just because of wrestling teams. Okay. It's a, it's, there's some logistics that go into getting sixth graders there, but the seventh and eighth graders. Are Makes sense. There. Yeah, Belmont's gone through the same thing as they consolidated buildings, and technically the, the fifth graders aren't in the middle school, but the, a lot of the fifth graders come and practice, but they don't compete. So Yeah. And, and as you and I have talked before, Middle school athletics in Indiana, wild, wild west. Yeah. You do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. If you want to combine teams one year, if you want to make up your own weight classes, you go right ahead and do it. <laughs> and I, we've been fortunate enough to have uh, James Myers as our, our uh, middle school coach the last few years. And, you know, I have a guy that has that much experience coaching the middle school is really beneficial for us. Well, you guys seem to have a full complement of wrestling coaches. And yeah. I think that speaks, and I'll, I'm going to throw some praise on you. I think that says a lot about your leadership as a coach, that you're able to attract people who want to come in and coach under you at different levels and continue to advance your program uh, moving forward. Yeah, we've got a, a great group of guys. You know, Bruce Wood has been with me since since I started coaching at Jay County and um, I've got a couple of young guys and Tyler Leonard and Brad Rossman and Nick Leonard and uh, Pat Rowles comes in there and then our girls coaches and with uh, Troy Jackson, John Winter and Chad Chowning. I, I feel like they, they notice and recognize that I need a lot of help. That's why I have such good help, right? <laughs> you, you only get help when people think you right, need it. Right, <laughs> exactly. So that's why I got a lot of good help around. Well, but people don't, you know, and we've got a lot of wrestling fans who listen to our show, so they probably do know. But there's no other sport, and, and I don't know, maybe swim is, is somewhat in the same line where, where people wear all the hats. But you just listed off a boys' varsity team, a boys' JV team, a girls' varsity team. You guys practically have enough for a girls' JV team and a middle school team. You're really responsible for all of them, but yet – You've got to have coaches to staff all of those things for all of the different events and tournaments that they go to. It's not easy. It isn't, and that, that's why I'm so fortunate to have all those coaches to help us out. Um, you know, I try and try and have my hand in everything, but you know, I, I'm I'm able to uh, 
you know, give give responsibility to different guys, and they do they do a great job. With you, it. you know, all those years I refereed, I would see lots of different coaches manage their room differently, and I I know that in the past, back in the day when Bud Palmer was still over Delta, Bud Palmer was the team manager. He was the patriarch, you know, he was the guy. And he did a lot of the management. He's not the guy on the mat in the room with the shoes on. I mean, he had his guys for that. With all the paperwork that has to be done now, you almost need a full-time statistician to keep track of the weights and the weigh-ins and stuff. I mean, you have a lot of managerial stuff to do. you got to have a guy that runs practice. you got to have a guy that is like the, the very humble, the motivator, the, the guy that works with the hearts and the heads for Jesse Gaskell like he does. And you need to have all these different roles the one guy can't do all that. I can guarantee, and you know that. Sure, and and we've got guys that that you know touch on each one of those things. Um, like track wrestling, though, track wrestling helps us out a lot with stats, and uh, I you know we keep all of our matches there, and then it compiles all of our stats for us. So that's pretty beneficial. Um, you know, just just having good people around those really really helpful. Well, then too, you know, we've learned this obviously from the last decade. You guys aren't afraid to host a tournament, and that takes a whole different level of volunteerism, uh, willingness to, to, to just serve at 11.30 at night on a Friday night and again at 6 o'clock on a Saturday night as you get ready for a basketball game. I mean, you guys have quite the collection of, uh, of volunteers. Yeah, so um, I, I guess I just touched on our high school staff, but a few years back, um, me, Bruce Wood, uh, Nat Wood, Troy Jackson, John Winter, along with Jeff Heller got together and we kind of discussed some things and there was, you know, the, there was a lot of alumni that wanted to get involved, but they just, they weren't really sure how. Um, so we kind of uh, rolled that into our Jay County Wrestling Club and Nat Wood has just done an amazing job with that. And you know, he jumps up and volunteers uh, for us to host some tournaments and I you know I'm pretty nervous sometimes and he always makes it happen <laughs> I tell you what uh, last year for the sectional now are the guys from the BW going to be there broadcasting Saturday I, I think so I tell you what last last year at the sectional you guys broke it off and you roped off that one section so people couldn't cut through that media area could we do that again put that table down there and get AJ and I down on that rail because people stand in front of you anyway so we might as well put a table there so they can't do it that way we can at least see that table i have a lot more equipment now we're running track wrestling computers and stuff if we get that table down there block that off so people can't cut through there and then that way it gives our boss his uh, crow's nest up in the top and the B bw boys can can have all the room they want up there and that'll put aj and right. I they can have, they can have denny and seth and you guys can yeah you know sit off to the you, side. you know you get the talent and then you get those seth guys seth was seth was buying friday night i you you were parked I, you were in between me and the and the witness mobile, yeah. And Seth was buying. I, I walked out with him. He said, "Where are we going to go? I'm I'm buying." I'm, Man, what it would we miss out? Too bad it's a, he was only offered because it's 11:30 at night, <laughs> and he knew you not were going a, home. Not a whole lot of places in Woodburn to eat. Yeah. at midnight. I was going to stop at that gas station and get some roller dogs, but I th I passed. <laughs> Maple's Inn was closed. Yeah. <laughs> They weren't. They didn't have the live music playing that night. No, they didn't. What's so. what's 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 that couple's name? Used to be there all the time. I oh, that's before your time. I don't. I don't hey, know what much was, about the. I asked your dad. What was the name of the entertainment couple? Entertainment schedule at the Maple's Inn. They used to play the old guy that had the the symbols between his knees, and his she sang. <laughs> Irvin Polly. That's not a Maple's Inn. Maple's yeah. Inn. 
you know, back in the day. Chili dogs and bush lights. Back in the day before you were a true filling ace. Yeah. That's where the filling aces hung out with the Maple Inn. And, and I went in there one time and I thought, what kind of a show is this? And it was the people were going crazy. And they, people, they, were, they were so terrible, but they were entertaining just to watch. So, Well, uh, Eric, as we get ready for the upcoming sectional, we're now 22 seasons into the Jay County sectional. It seems like a long time ago, but at the same time, it seems like just yesterday we would have been talking about the Adams Central sectional. Let's talk a little bit about your memories of AC sectionals of old and and some of your, your favorite stories from those from those tournaments. But before we jump into that, though, like you said, 22 years of the Jay County sectional. Well, what? if I remember right. 2003. It was 2003. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be, this will be year number 21. Okay. I, I feel like it may be as deep as it's ever been. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, Bluffton, Bluffton is in the 5-6 range you know, four, five, six range with South Adams and uh, some of those other teams. And, like, they're, they've got a really solid team, and a, a team that was good enough to beat Cowan at Team State and place, I think, seventh at Team State. And, you know, Norwell and Only Belmont. because of poor seating. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you have the top two teams in the ACAC, the top two teams in the NEA. Uh, yeah, just a, a really solid sectional. So – Pretty excited to see how that plays out, and then see it, watch our sectional as we go through regional and semi-state into the state finals. But so the uh, the Adam Central section, the Adam Central sectional. He was just a baby. I, well, how many how many the, sectionals the, did you wrestle? All four. All four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, remembering I, we hadn't weighed in yet. We were, you know, just getting things set up, and there were people coming in, putting their blankets on the the uh, bleachers and you know just you stepped on the mat and there were people from wall to wall and that's it was that way for the sectional and it was that way for the adam central belmont match and i guess we you know like i said it has been 22 years two mats two mats yeah for those that don't remember or weren't there or too young to remember what those looked like um it's not a it's not something that we see anymore i mean uh, a lot of the sectionals i think run four mats Mm-hmm. Jay County still runs three. I think that's probably the norm. But still, to think about the two-mat format, no wrestlebacks, um, and that format held from uh, late 70s, early 80s. Am I right? To yeah. what, what that format was all the way until 2002. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of good memories there. You know, my buddy Jimmy Troyer, you know, he was – we talked to him on the show that one night when we – Kind of, mem- uh, kind of honored him, and uh, he said his first uh, sectional that he ever refereed at Adam Central. He said he walks in the door, and Leroy Stryker, who was a state trooper at the time, walked up and he said, "I will be your escort for the day for protection." He goes, "What I need protection for?" And he said, "When the match is over, I'm glad Leroy walked me to my car." He said, "I was scared, but yeah. uh, I and in my four year, it was either my sophomore or my junior year, and you can." Maybe fact check me on this at one point, but well, I there's believe, one person who will fact check <laughs> us. But that's well, I, I believe whenever we went into the sectional in the top 20 in the state, Belmont was ranked second, and then Adam Central and Bluffton were both in that 10 to 20 range. And then you're talking about a six-team sectional that gets that only advances two people. And then I, I noticed looking through some of the the historical, you know, 
um, some of that history on, on the sectionals that there were four team sectionals out there. And we've got three, three teams ranked in the top 20, and we're only advancing, you know, two per weight class. Another photo op here. The judge wants he, – he loves, he loves those. You know, That's right. We're on the you pod. Know, you, know, you know, last year, Dane and I didn't know what this photo op was for, and then at Christmas time uh, it rolled around. Christmas run. present. Yeah, we got a blank with all the Belmont fans behind us, you know, for – My wife said, don't wear your – I wear, got the nice shirt on tonight too. You want to explain I, that I, word? Dane, th- Dane threw some words at me. I don't have that definition, am I? Now, the only, complaint, the only complaint from last year was that Jim Filling got cut off in the blanket picture. He was cropped out. <laughs> well, he, he fixed that this year, didn't he? Thanks, Jason. Well, we thank the Double Eagle for their hospitality and their, their claim that is staked as the, the epicenter. We always uh, – um, Indiana High School Wrestling right ha- here at the Double Eagle. Glad to have the judge back. We missed him, and he missed a couple weeks on us. But I think we got, we got out-trumped by – he got out-trumped. We got out-trumped by Eddie Merlot one week. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I see. I see how that goes. I told him, I said, my, ch- my choice is between Double Eagle and Eddie Merlot. Eddie Merlot depends on who's picking up the bill. <laughs> now, Eric, without throwing anybody under the bus, I want to go back to seating meetings. Okay. I want to hear your I want to hear your favorite all time excuse slash line slash criterion that was used as a as a potential hey I think my guy deserves to be up there. Um, well we've had the uh, and I I know I've thought it before but hey uh, we've got this guy in um, our he beat our JV guy in a wrestle off and our JV guy has this win percentage so now that's a oh. log, that's a logical one yeah. that's a stretch. you say yeah you say hey i've got a you know we we're allowed to use common opponents in varsity action mm-hmm. but i've seen this guy on our team beat your guy and this guy beats beats our own guy i know he's better than him but you can't use that um, also he he beat him over the summer yeah yeah that's always an interesting. That's a good one. Now, yeah. now in the recent years at the Al Smith, we've had the IPO. Yeah. Know, well, we beat him yeah. at IPO. Well, you can't you can't use that. And, and that's getting pretty close too. Um, I was just thinking, going back to the Adam Central sectional in that uh, IHSA yearbook. Have you went back and looked at the revenue from? I know. All those I wish. And I've asked actually, and uh, we don't want to throw Jason under the bus here, but I have asked to see those, and I haven't been uh. granted. Yeah, requests, I, but it's it's amazing to see. You're thinking about maybe the 2001, 2002 era, maybe the very last few years of the AC wrestling sectional. I I've looked at uh, the, those past year, like each sectional, and it listed. lists who who showed up, how many people paid, right, what the right. revenue was. Mm-hmm. And Pretty interesting to see how many people showed up at Adam Central. Well, it's it's nearly like. The, the only sectional that's close is the, the sectional that Modern Day's in, and I believe that Adam Central sectional doubled the amount of people and revenue that uh, the second highest had most years. Now, I, I want to throw something out there. You talked about uh, being a four-time sectional wrestler. Participant. In the mid-'70s, it was really tough for a freshman to wrestle on a Belmont team. That's why you see a lot of those guys, uh, you know, some of the stars of the Belmont guys that were state finalists and stuff, 
they didn't have a lot of wins because they really had trouble getting in the varsity lineup. And a lot of those guys, Bruce, Bruce Teamer wrestled three years mm-hmm. uh, behind Victor Beer. And uh, just by the time his senior year rolls around, he placed his fourth at state because the level of competition in the room just didn't allow freshmen into the lineup until you know, later on when those kids had wrestled so much in the summertime they came in as freshmen and they were studs as freshmen. Sure. So Eric is talking about maybe the last yearbook that, that the IHSAA put out. We're talking about the 2001-2002. That would have been the very last year of the previous format for the most part. Okay. Um, the, a Belmont team that in, included guys like Tyler Kress and John Sheets and Joel Coons and Daniel Reinhardt, Mitch Billington. Uh, looking at those, the attendance for that, Adam Central attendance, 875. The next largest was the Evansville Central sectional at 542. Mm-hmm. And so even in the very last Adam Central wrestling sectional, uh, we were far and away the, the the number one as far as attendance. That's why Art Habegger had a phenomenal <laughs> hospitality room because just don't tell those ladies in Monroe that they're going to have a hospitality room they're going to have plenty of food in it. You come in for football, they got chicken and noodles. They got pulled pork. It's like I, I get to the football sectional that's held there three hours early just to make sure I get two bowls of chicken noodles before I go to the press box. So, But we will give credit because – the Fort Wayne Snyder sectional, or sorry, regional that year, and it was a barn burner. You had potential matchups of Jason Woodson and Randy Baker, uh, to mention a few. 4,000 people pay to get in, 4,087 pay to get in at Fort Wayne Snyder that year. It was packed. I don't know how you got 4,000 people in there. At Castle, they sold 5,286 <laughs> tickets. Wow. Um, to make a profit of, of $8,000. Um, looking back then, you know, and this is probably, we're probably right along that time where the Ice of Subway starts to think about mm, this Team State tournament, I'm not sure, because you get 5,000 people to show up to Castle, but then on Wednesday night, you had 599 show up to watch Belmont wrestle Snyder at Huntington North. Mm-hmm. Um, another... Randy Baker, Jason Woodson match. I remember it well. Well, I can guarantee you that when they it was the, Southwood, Peru, Huntington North, and Belmont. I remember it vividly. Wait, I can tell you what. Uh, refereeing those matches, they did not put a lot of profit out to paying their officials. <laughs> yeah. uh, I had to work a team regional on a Wednesday night at Jimtown. I walked out of Jimtown at 10:30 at night. And there was three-eighths of an inch of ice on my car. I couldn't get it. I chiseled on my car for 30 minutes to get into it. It took me 45 minutes to get out of the range. I get home at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday night from refereeing a team regional. Well, that year, Milan hosted a team regional, and only 189 people paid for four teams, and they made a profit of $52.20. So that might explain a little bit as to why we changed the format. The judges' bar tab was more than that tonight. (laughs) But at the same time, the individual semi-states then, the Evansville-Wright semi-state sold 9,364 tickets. New Haven at the Coliseum sold 9,293. Now, this is a topic that we've been discussing multiple times. But (laughs) What a segue. What a segue. (laughs) I know you have some, some opinions on this. 
next year we are not going to be in downtown Indianapolis. What are your thoughts on where the IHSAA goes? What should dictate what Indianapolis decides to do? Well, with, with the lack of um, available accommodations in the Indianapolis area, I think, I think the obvious choice is Fort Wayne. But um, I, I, it's probably easy for me to say that because it's – in well, our backyard. If I if I had my hat on, which I don't, I'm the only one of the three don't have a hat on. If I threw one in the ring, Team State, the year they had all four classes there, they had them at the Coliseum, and nobody complained about not getting hotel rooms. Right. Nobody complained about the distance being too far. People from Evansville were there. People from Indianapolis were there. Is it too far? I don't think so. Yeah, I, and then the other place I thought would be neat. I, I'd love to see them wrestle it at Mackey Arena, um, but I, I don't think that that's that wasn't on the table because of you know their winter sports schedule and yeah. things like that. But yeah, that becomes a problem. Is it's not just what arenas work for our event; it's the fact that that arena has to be open for an entire weekend, and it can't be used for anything else for for those three days. Now, right? Jimmy Lynn was telling me on the way out the door at Annie Eight. He said Andrew Wagner, his assistant, his athletic director, was saying, "You guys need to get that answer for next year because they've already talked to the Coliseum." And the Coliseum said if they have basketball or hockey, if they, if they have basketball, they can move it. But you've got to get in there now. And, and, and uh, when we get Robert on the phone next week, we need to push him, push him hard and say, look, we're, we're, we're pulling for Fort Wayne, and the venue needs to be locked down right now if he doesn't already have one. He could have one and just hadn't told anybody yet. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he has. That's definitely one of the things that we're going to ask him next week on Monday along with the a myriad of other things, obviously, with girls wrestling and those types of things. And we haven't even touched on girls wrestling tonight on the pod. Obviously, uh, we were all there. We did enjoy the chicken parm that was was available at Mooresville. But uh, I made the statement really early on in the broadcast, that venue is not going to work next year on that date. Dane and I I are not going to arm wrestle some (laughs) fan that's trying to take our table for the media test. I, I felt would you like, have would you have our back? <laughs> I, I absolutely. I would. Okay, good. Um, I felt like Coach Mikesell and the Mooresville group did a really good oh, they, job. Oh, they did, I'm, um, and I'm not making any complaints about what it was. Yeah, it just was not sufficient. Yeah, and you know that Kokomo um, Arena was that was pretty cool. Uh, I, I, I don't think I'm, it's big enough either. Right. I'm I'm really interested to see what they do with that. Uh, you know, talking to like Tony Wood and Cameron Clark and Cody Rouse and those guys, uh, their freshman year was the, the COVID year at, at Banker's Life or Gainbridge or whatever. It was still it Banker's now. Life yeah. then. Uh, so they had a limited attendance freshman year at State, and then they're going to have it moved somewhere else their senior year. So I, I'm kind of bummed for them in a way. But then also, you know, everybody talks about the, the Newcastle State Finals that Is year it because it was unique. You know, it was five? an experience. Yeah, that goes 85. Yeah, 85. Um, so I, I guess I'm, I'm hoping that we can look at it like that. You know, it's a unique experience to wrestle it in somewhere else. I'm, I'm hoping the IHSA, I'm sure they will do a great job with it. Yeah, and as far as the girls' state goes, I just think that next year they're going to have to add an additional week to the tournament series. It's, it's, it's just it's not fair to the girls that they don't have the opportunity to qualify like the boys because of the number of girls that are involved. And so either you add a, uh, a week to the tournament series or you add uh, eight regionals and you go larger and mm-hmm. you go two days on the state 
there has to be a solution that allows for that growth. And I think one of the problems is you're never able to forecast how big the sport's going to grow. You're in that, that, that portion of it right now where you don't know, is it going to grow by 10% next year or 25 or is it going to go by 50% mm-hmm. when they sanction it? What if it grows by 40% next year and then they sanction it the year and it grows by 75%? How do you have the foresight to know what it's going to look like and how much space you need and, and literally how long you need the tournament to be for everybody to have a chance to qualify? Yeah. It, the people that I've talked to seem to think that uh, it will kind of mirror the, the girls and boys basketball where girls basketball starts about three weeks to a month ahead of boys and then their state finals is about the time the girls state finals is about the time the boys start their sectional yeah they don't uh, in, in indiana they don't overlap at all the right. girls finish their okay. state finals and the next week is when boys sectional start yeah so no you you threw it out there you talked about the year that uh, because of a snowstorm they had to move from uh i think it was still at market square at that time moved it over to newcastle newcastle would easily hold the girls state finals and that would be a, a, a great arena. And, that, and that's, that's fairly centrally located as well. Sure. I mean, I mean, go ahead. Just call the guy at Newcastle and say, hey, you want to host Girls State next year? <laughs> put, put the Iron Bear on it and tell, put the Iron Bear on it. You know, Connersville has a big bull stadium like that. Connersville would, would, mm-hmm. would, would more than handle that crowd. Well, I just think that looking at it from a critical standpoint, there are a lot of people who are putting a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort it's not their job, but yeah. they're doing it anyways. Mm-hmm. And I think when people talk about why do we want to sanction, why do we want to do all these things, it's because guys like Gary Myers and Jason DeLois and Pat Culp and J.D. Minch and all these other people, they're doing so much work that it's really not their job to have to do those things. It really should be the IHSAA's job to administer those, those programs and make those decisions and, and make all of those arrangements talk to the member schools to find a suitable place and to cover the costs and to work out all the details. But that's why we want to sanction in a lot of ways. You and I both know why those guys do it. If you don't do it, it won't happen. And if you don't push it, it won't happen the way you want it to be. So they take control and they make sure it's done right. You know, if you sit back and expect somebody else to do something and then it, it turns out to be less than what you expected, you know, that's your fault. So step in and do it. And that's why those guys are doing that. Yeah, it's it's awesome that they step up and do that for us. And it's you know it's been an awesome event every year. And because of the work that they put in, girls wrestling keeps growing. And I'm I'm hoping that they they stay with the 16 person bracket. If they do stay with that, though, like you said, they it would be nice if they wrestled a Friday night and and got those first round matches out, and then you have your placement matches just like the boys do the next day. Well, and and we had this conversation. I don't remember if it was last week's show or if it was on one of our broadcasts. You start talking about what this looks like when it is sanctioned and, and will people show up. I, I think when you have a girl qualify, there's just as many people from your community who are going to come and watch them as there are boys. Mm-hmm. I think we've proven that in the last two or three years. If you send 224 girls to the state finals in Indianapolis on the same weekend as the boys, they're going to draw – their aunts, their uncles, their grandma, their grandpa, their parents, their siblings, and their friends to come, I don't think it's going to be any different. There are maybe, there's maybe a core group of hardcore fans who have developed over the 40 or 50 years that the, that the 
that the boys' tournament has really gone to a state level, who would go no matter what? The Bruce Teamies, who if, if Adams County imploded, he would still go, right? I think there's some of those for the boys that maybe don't exist for the girls. But as a whole, I think you're going to get just as many people to come as watch the girls as there are all the boys. You know, Coach, how, how many Jay County Patriots? They were everywhere. How many Jay County Patriot jerseys were at the girls' state? They were everywhere. I mean, yeah. you, you can ask the boss over there, how many hotel rooms did she reserve for the girls' state for the fans going down compared to the boys? I mean, the place was packed, and you saw people from everywhere, and they had all their team logos and their shirts, and, and it was every bit as supported as the boys are. Yeah, and you have the, you have the potential to double your fan base. Yeah. You know, you have a guys' team showing up like half – to the full guys team showing up to support their girls. And then, then you have those fans, you know, you, you have those friends. Um, it, it's a really neat thing in Indiana to see uh, us doubling our amount of wrestlers, doubling the amount of wrestling fans. You know, you, you go from 365 girls to 860 girls. Those extra 500 girls didn't just pop out of the woodwork accidentally you know in one season you you went to you added 500 participants in your sport you had you haven't added 500 boys to the sport ever so right tell us a little bit about mallory winter what kind of wrestler is she um what do our listeners and fans need to know about her we were in awe of her last year the same way we were this year uh she dug down deep she was in a dog fight in those finals but you know she's got a chance to be a four-timer still yeah, so, you know, Mason um, trained a lot, traveled everywhere to wrestle her brother, Mason Winter, four-time state placer. Uh, and so Mallory started wrestling, you know, right away. And uh, as she grew up, like, uh, different opportunities started to develop. So I, I know that, like, middle school state, she wrestled at one of the first uh, middle school states that had a girls' division. Um, so she had those opportunities and then she, she's really into softball. So, uh, she spends a lot of time training for softball and preparing there. And as, uh, she got into high school, um, yeah, she didn't wrestle her eighth grade year. Just, she wanted to, wanted to stay healthy. She didn't want to, there weren't as many opportunities in middle school wrestling for girls at that time, but she knew that she was going to wrestle in high school because there was a girls only opportunity. So, um, when she got to high school, she was ready. You know, she had that base. And then uh, her, her dad just does a great job of training both of those kids. And you guys have had some big success with the softball team, correct? And, yeah. And we, drawing teammates and sort of using that as an impetus for, for, for recruitment? Yes, we've had uh, so, some girls softball players and uh, also some girls soccer players. So those are two pools that we've kind of pull, pull, pulled from. Um, and then, you know, Really, what it's beneficial, like uh, Andrea and uh, Trinity, they, if you have a couple girls that have wrestled in middle school and have a solid base, then they start picking up some friends, and uh, we just kind of start building off of that. Right now, I, I went through our, you know, I, I put together a girls' stat packet at the end of the year, just like I do with the guys, and uh, I, I put career records for sophomores, juniors, and seniors as they progress. And we have a class of, I think... See, it's either nine, I think it's nine or ten sophomores. We had one, one junior and uh, two seniors and two freshmen. 
but we have a big sophomore class. So uh, those girls are all friends. They, they encourage each other to come out. And it's, it's really helped us build our girls' team. So, Eric, um, let's, let's look at, I know the first round of the 16 down at Girls State, mm-hmm. there were some matches that were kind of lopsided. Sure. But when it got down to the quarters, the, the top four girls, mm-hmm. what do you think of the technical skills of those girls? I, I thought some of those girls were phenomenal. You know, at, 100 and, at 106, Ocampo, Kroll, um, Joy Cantu, and the other girl from Smith. Smith, Smith. They're all ranked in the top 20 in the nation <laughs> in their weight class. And I tell you what, they're – skill level is phenomenal i mean just to watch them is incredible they're that talented and then you got our first four-timer that dan and i got to see in uh lonnie Lonnie davis from kokomo she's a real deal i mean she is slick rides well phenomenal takedowns and hit that headlock in a 16 second fall in the finals and and she's becomes the first four-timer in indiana and and we can say we were there to witness that yeah technique just continues to improve now we uh, we took our girls to a tournament in, um, at Finley, at Finley, Ohio. It was a two-day, 32-team tournament. And uh, they had a team from Washington State that came in. And luckily, the IHSA changed their, uh-huh. their rules there so that we were allowed to travel there. And um, we wrestled this, this team. Um, Toppenish is what, what the name of the school was. And... Uh, the coach from Indiana Tech had mentioned to one of our coaches that Washington has had sanctioned girls wrestling for close to a decade now. And it was amazing to see how good those girls were. Uh, yeah, it, sanctioning does help. You know, they, they look like, um, and, you know, that's just one, one team in one situation, but they, they look see, like seasoned, experienced wrestlers. And our, I think our girls are slowly developing to the point where they're there technically, especially whenever you look back to the first couple of girls' states to where we're at now. It's, it's night and day difference. Yeah. Now, you just gave me a segue. You're talking about Washington and wrestling. You, true or false, you will be watching Vision Quest at some point this week. I, I should. Okay. Um, I just want to make sure. <laughs> I, Max is 11. I don't, I, don't, I don't think he's quite ready. He's getting it, close. It is, it is not necessarily <laughs> a uh, preteen movie. Right, right. <laughs> uh, he, he's getting closer and closer to Vision Quest time. I, I'm sure I could edit some parts out for him. But, Probably, given, um, given the, the PG uh, USA Network yeah. type, uh, type edit. So we have some um, – we have a, a – couple families that are a little bit newer to wrestling in the last few years um, due to the girls part and one of those families watched Vision Quest and then after that they are adamant that I need to show up to practice and a, and with, a singlet. A, with a singlet over a polo and <laughs> so, then, so then that makes me Just feel like I don't need to promote the movie Vision Quest <laughs> anymore whenever I'm getting I, hassled to wear a singlet to practice. My wife can attest on Friday night there will be a showing of, of Vision Quest at, at our house. It's a, it's a tradition. I do appreciate that Adam Central seems to draw their playlist, their pre-match playlist <laughs> uh-huh. from the Vision Quest soundtrack. Okay. Lunatic Fringe on there? Yes, John Waite and okay. uh, Change. Okay. And just, uh, just overall, it's, uh, I don't know, it just kind of lends itself to, to getting ready for the, for the tournament. So Jesse believed... My wife, Jessie, uh, believed that that song was called Lunatic Fred 
for oh, a long okay. time. Well, and yeah. I, that works also, I think. If you, I, if you sing Lunatic Fred instead of Lunatic Fringe. It, it does. Yeah. I don't know if you can listen to Lunatic Fringe without hearing jump ropes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, Rex, may, are you, it, it are you a fan, Rex? Are you a Vision Quest fan? You've only yeah. seen it once. It no, I, see, a, I think for some people it's just part of. Yeah, it may be a little bit Pavlovian, but it makes me want to jump rope whenever I hear that. Yeah, song. I think it. I think it does. That may be the first time that Pavlovian's ever been used as an adjective on our show. <laughs> I couldn't get past the fact that everybody else is already out wrestling and he's still running to make weight. <laughs> I laughed. I was like, "That is such a joke." I'm turn it off. I can't watch that anymore. I, speaking of making weight, I I really appreciate the uh, the new. Weigh-in rules. Weigh-in With singlets. Yeah, because, like, I, I remember always trying to look for a, a, a room or somewhere where you could duck in and it, it could be closed off from everybody to weigh in. Now we put the scales out on, you know, right by the mats and we, we line up and weigh in there. So I remember one time when I was coaching middle school, I had, I had a, a small wager with your father-in-law about a young man who was trying to make weight, heavyweight at, uh, I don't know, it was some middle school invitational and uh, the, the, the way he weighed in, the way that he weighed in back then would not be appropriate <laughs> well, in, in today's world. So That, and I was thinking about, I, I'm sure Rex remembers this, whenever you stepped on the, the, you know, like, I don't know, nurse's scale or whatever, and you'd step on it and you'd look to the side, and if you got a little break, that was good. Oh, yeah, I'm break sure it. that that's not point, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're probably .8 over still at that point. Here, here's the rule. If there was digital scales back in 1979, I would have never made weight. Never. Yeah. But uh, I, I have a good story. Jimmy Pickert at uh, Goshen had a girl that was wrestled for him for a few years, and I was up there doing the regional, or I think it was a big tournament. They had like the Red Hawk duels or whatever. And I'm oh, up there. There's a Red Hawk super duel <laughs> reference. And yes. so. We're up there weighing in, and they had this whole room full of kids. And it's in the restroom. All these kids are stripped down. They're in their supporters, whatever stuff. And they're weighing them all in, and they're weighing, and we get all done. And, and the girl was overweight. And it's like, where's the girl? And he goes, hey, so-and-so, come here. She was in the room running with all these guys, and she had a hooded sweatshirt. And she'd pull her hooded sweatshirt like this and run. And when she turned to get the other way, she'd pull her hooded shirt this way. And I was like, Jimmy. She was in here all the time. He goes, yeah, what's the problem? Like, oh, my God. No. That was one of my wife's favorite Paul Gunsett stories one time. I don't know where Mary Freak was, but at one point when you were talking about Andrea and Trinity, uh, you know, before they changed the rules, somebody had to be in there to weigh in the girls. Yeah, yeah. And Paul pulled my wife in and said, hey, you've got to weigh in Andrea and Trinity <laughs> for some dual meet because – Back then, before you were weighing in, it was it was separate, and I think that the the explosion of girls wrestling, obviously, is what brought that that change in. It's probably for the I was the I was someplace one time, and they went and got the Woodland Lady Bus Driver and made the lady, <laughs> made the bus driver for the Woodland wrestling team weigh him in, and she goes, "I don't know what I'm doing." I said, "Just ask him what the weight class is, and read it. it has to be less but than that." Speaking yeah. of the movie, A Vision Quest, he waits forever and ever and ever. Uh-huh. to come in the way, and everybody yeah. else is lined up and ready to go. That's, that's really not yeah, the, way, yeah. the way it goes. Uh, Jim Bopp would have told him he's out. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing I had a, a girl share with me, I, like on Facebook, I believe, uh, her state placement in the first ever um, girls, the IHS GW girls state finals, and she had her hair slicker on. And that brought back awful memories, too, because all the girls had to have, wear those hair yeah, coverings. We, we've talked about it a lot this oh season. Oh, my goodness. That, that was 
I, I was off. I come to the first match, the kid had long hair, and I said, Dane, it didn't make that kid cut his hair. And he goes, this is 2020, Rex. Come on. Like, <laughs> I, I was shocked. And so that's a new rule. Didn't have to have a haircut. Oh, anymore. even yeah. think back to the Bryce Bumgartner days when he had to do all of, all of his crazy things yeah. with, with his hair there for that season. And then the facial hair thing. I, I remember I had a kid at South Adams that grew his mustache, and he would shave it right at the line so he could – he could pass weigh-ins. Okay, remember the kid from uh, Union City? Did he have his haircut look normal? And when he put his hair down, it was like this long, <laughs> and it would hang way over like this. Referees come up, and they'd look like that, and they'd say, oh, looks good. And he'd get out to wrestle, and his hair was like this long, because it's like shaved on one side and real long on top. But, uh, Beat you know, the system. Yeah, and now there is no system. Yeah. You just come on wrestling. Right. Now, it's like anything else. You get your hair pulled, hey, get your hair pulled. That's your problem. <laughs> yeah. So we're looking at a Wednesday Seating meeting. Mm -hmm. Potential snow on Wednesday. Okay. Could push that even further <laughs> to uh, Thursday. It, it, it brings back a few memories of the great fiasco of a decade or so ago when regional was during a snowstorm. Yeah. And yeah. we had to we had to let guys in, and there were there were mm -hmm. pigtails, rat tails, ponytails, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. In the semi state, yeah, that was. That was an experience there. And then I, my father-in-law father was coaching at Norwell at that time, I think. Uh, so he was there early. And I think we got the call as we were walking out the door that it was pushed back. So I think we kept our kids at the school because I didn't really trust them to go home and come back on weight. Well, because you guys uh, draw from such a, a – big geographical area right as far as what your guys have to drive into school um you know that's a that's a whole different area compared to to any of the adams county schools sure yeah that uh i i i hope that we never have to deal with that again that's probably yeah. something we 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 all hope for so well, well eric as always it's a, a a great pleasure to have you here on the on the show and uh certainly we are intertwined with you as Adams County fans, but also as Jay County supporters. And we're starting to draw in Jay County advertisers now. Mm -hmm. And uh, we certainly look forward to, to, you know, this first weekend, you feel for the kids who finish in fifth place because they don't get to advance. But really, this weekend is a little bit about bragging rights. But as you emerge out of this weekend, you, you almost feel like you're all in the same club. You're all the same team. I... I can't remember the last time I rooted against a Jay County sectional kid in that first round of regional. Right. I, I don't – I don't. every Union City kid that makes it to regional, I want to see him win. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't take any delight really in any of the Delta sectional kids just as a, as a, as a person, obviously not as a broadcaster. And, you know, Coach A.J. Bradley and Coach Abher are, are good friends of ours, Co Coach LeCount. But you really start to feel like it. But it's, I guess it's the same thing then as you go forward to semi-state. Mm -hmm. You feel that loyalty towards the Cowan kid, the Muncie Central kid, the, the Monroe Central kid. You do not want to see Hunter Page lose. <laughs> right, right. And, and uh, it's kind of a fun part. And I do appreciate that the IHSAA has, for the most part, left alone our groupings. Sure. And we've been able to – and we laugh about it now, but – we talk about, I always remember Andrew Scheiman and John Sheets because they were seniors in 2003, but like, it was a hell of a long time ago mm -hmm. where we came together as one sectional. That's a lifetime for most of the people that are there. Sure. 21, 22 years. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, like you said at regional, 
you know, the dust settles, you kind of think about who you have next round, but then you walk around and you say, hey, how many did we get through? You know, as a collective sectional. And then semi states the same way, how many did we get through? How did, how did our regional do? Um, and that's, that's a neat camaraderie. I'll tell you what, guys, it's been a great show. Um, ooh, I'm getting a little feedback there. I got too close to the speaker. But uh, I'd like to thank Steve Rouse for hanging in uh, late with us and uh, getting this podcast up. I'd like to thank Dave Nathan, who always does a good job getting that podcast up for us the next day. I listened to part of our show last week. It was pushing two hours, I mean, like hour 48, something like that. And there were some great stories on there, a lot of memories that were talked about by a lot of people who stepped up. The Kent's brothers were on here, a lot of guys, uh, former Belmont wrestlers, and it was a great show and it's a great atmosphere, and uh, just too bad it takes something like that to bring them all together. Yeah, and I'd like to give you a platform now. It, any memories, any stories that you'd like to share about Paul before we, before we go off the air? I know Christmas Day, Christmas morning, not, yeah. not going to be quite the same without him. The, the first time I really hung out with Paul, though, uh, it was with, with Jesse, and we went to uh, his place, and I, you know, we were hanging out for a little while, and I was amazed to say, like, he had his... Uh, his state final singlet up there and he showed me his medals and his rings and all that good stuff and um then uh you know the more i i hung out with the heller family the more i hung out with the gunset family so we have a, a a lot of a lot of fun memories together and then whenever he became the head coach at belmont there are some things that that i had done before as far as um you know seating weight management things like that that he asked me questions on and so uh, we, we kind of shared a little bit of a bond there, but um, Paul's a great guy. We uh, went to, like I said, we went to the NCAA tournament several times together, and he's just a, a, we golfed a lot together. He's just a, a great, loyal friend, um, and it's going to be it's going to be really different. It's going to be hard on me to go to a sectional and not see Paul Gunset this weekend. So with that, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and thank all of our sponsors and uh, tune in next week. Once again, we're still on Sunday night next week. Monday night next Monday week night because next of week. the, uh, which one's the late one? Is the AFC cha- championship game first or is the NFC? I'm not sure. I don't remember. Well, one of there's a football us. game on. It's going to bump us. Both so of with, them will be on still WZBD. celebrating. <laughs> so ZBD will carry those. So once again, uh, thanks for tuning in and tune in next week for the Hager Hershey's Eld High School Wrestling Weekly. <laughs>